one that's not very popular. It's in the book of Proverbs. If you just said, Pastor Chris, I want you to preach on being led by the Spirit, and I told you to go to the Proverbs, you'd say, that don't happen there. No, it does. Proverbs 20, verse, let's pray for us, Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your presence. Father, I ask that you would be here. It would be none of me and all of you that your anointing would just continue to move in this place, that you would change us, that we'd leave this place wanting and knowing you more. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. The Spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart. The Spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart. One translation said, the spirit of a man is a candle of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of the belly. I'm going to get into why I talk about the belly in a minute. But the spirit of a man, I want you to look at your neighbor and say spirit of a man. The spirit of a man. Now, when you think of being led by the spirit, we all think about the Holy Spirit. But as Pastor Carl just said, the human being is made up of three parts. We are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. We are not a body that has a soul and a spirit. We are a spirit that has a soul that dwells or lives in a body. That's why when Paul talks about that it would be better if I go, but I stay for you, to, to, live as, to die as Christ, and to, to live as Christ, to die as gain, right, when he's talking about the Corinthians. What he's saying there is that I'm going to live either way. I'm just going to live in this body or I'm going to live outside of it. Because the spirit is who actually makes us who we are. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes and gives that spirit a candle. It gives that spirit substance now. It gives that spirit a source of light. But there's always a spirit there. It's your conscience. Worldly people have a conscience. They just don't know what to do with it. Right? You, you've ever had a lost person help you? Lost as somebody blindfolded in the middle of the marsh, but they've helped you. You ever had somebody do that? I've had people do that to me before. People you know they ain't ever probably bumped into Jesus. And they've helped me. Why? Because they have a conscience. Because Genesis 1 says, I'm made in the image and the likeness of God, which means there are parts of me that are like him. But the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts. God, hear me out. God, this is a little unorganized. This, I had a whole different message at 11 a.m. this morning. A whole different message. And Matt called me at like, I don't know, like 11.30 maybe. He's like, how's your prep going? I said, it was going great till 30 minutes ago. So this is not going to be the most organized thing you ever heard. But I want you to remember something. God doesn't lead you through your soul. Or your flesh. He only leads you through your spirit. That sometimes confuses us charismatic folk. Because I feel the Lord. No, you felt the air kick off. That's what you felt. And you're standing under the vent and it hits you. And you got the goosebumps and you felt the Lord. I'm not saying he don't move like that. He does. But I don't get led by a feeling. Because if I get led by a feeling in church, I'm probably going to get led by one outside of church. And the problem is that I can't always guarantee what spirit's going to be moving outside the church. And half the time, you can't guarantee what spirit's going to move inside the church, even if you're in the church. <laughs> but it says here, 
that the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. He's going to lead you by his spirit. So if he's going to lead me by my spirit, we know that John 16 says that the Holy Spirit will come and he will lead you and guide you into all truth. We know this. So if he's going to lead us and guide us into all truth, and we know that he's not going to lead us by our flesh, thank God. And he's not going to lead us by our emotions, double thank God. If he's going to lead me by the spirit, then I better understand how to communicate and commune and understand the spirit. Because if not, I'm not going to know where he's leading me. You ever met a Christian who was born again but didn't know where God was leading him? It's because they're serving the Lord in the flesh. They're serving the Lord with their emotions, with their soul. They're not serving the Lord with their spirit. Because the spirit of God only takes what the Father said and what Jesus did and makes it manifest. He does nothing of his own. His whole purpose is to make sure that the word of God comes to pass. So the Holy Spirit is not going to do certain things. And he's going to do certain things. But if I'm not sensitive to him, I'll feel a certain thing. I'll see a certain thing. My flesh will desire a certain thing. And, and I'll think it's the spirit. No. Let's go to Romans 8. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Oh, man, real quick. King James and that, you, you, can, you can read Romans 8. In Proverbs 27, in 2027, when it says that the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord, and it searches the innermost parts of the being. In King James, it's the innermost parts of the belly. You know why it says belly? It says belly because when you got your heart broken in middle school, where'd you feel it? Now, if you like me, you got more gut than other people, more belly than other people, so we might feel it a little more. But I don't know why. I mean, probably because I had like a real quick, totally random, but it'll make sense in a second. When I was a kid, we had this choir barbecue deal, and we're swimming at somebody's house, and I was like real short. Obviously, he thought I was a midget. And so I'm in the pool, and somebody bumps into me, and I get bumped into the middle, and I wasn't a very good swimmer, and I couldn't touch the bottom. And so I was like, you know, kind of drowning or whatever, you know, at a church party, surrounded by choir members, and I'm drowning. Thanks. Here's the choir director's kid dying in the pool. Thanks. And I remember I, I, I was panicking, and I actually grabbed somebody's hair, and I pulled. She's mad, but I, I lived, so she can be mad. Um, it is what it is. Thank you, sister. Get some hair plugs. But anyway, I have this thing where I'm nervous when my kids go swimming. I'm just, I'm a nervous wreck when my kids are swimming. I, I don't deal with anxiety until it's summertime. Y'all wonder why I love the winter because nobody swims in the winter. Nobody going to die in the pool in the winter because nobody swims in the winter. Anyway, when we go swimming, I don't feel or experience those nerves here. I, it's here. So when it says that the candle of the Lord searches the innermost parts of the belly, he uses the Holy Spirit to search the innermost parts of the things you're feeling. And the things that you're thinking and the thing, that's what he's doing. He's using it to search the innermost parts of, of who you really are. Because, you know, there's this thing called social media Christianity, right? Where we post what we want the world to see, but we don't actually post what is actually going on, right? So we have, so, we have social media Christianity, people living in the church where we're projecting an image that's not the true image. The problem is, is that the Holy Spirit knows what's being projected and what's actually doing the projecting because he searches the innermost parts of the man. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and try me. David is saying, try me. 
You ain't got to ask him. He's doing it already. He'll just let you know the results. Like the Maury Povich show, we got the results are in. He's got the envelope already. He knows what's going on. You just got to ask him. Lord, what's going on in my heart? Oh, great. Here you go. That's what's going on. Here's the whole file. I've been knowing. You just didn't ask me. And I tell you what, sometimes I'll be in youth. When I was youth ministry, especially youth, a kid would come to the front, and they'd be like, Pastor Chris, I'm just so depressed. I don't know what's wrong. I'm just so depressed. Okay, bud. Um, what music are you listening to? Oh, you know this. Okay, well, what are you doing at home? Well, I'm sitting in the room with the lights off. What are you doing? I'm playing a video game where I'm shooting people all day. Well, here's the thought. Go home, turn the game off, and open a window. There's this thing called outside. That has actual medical help, benefits to you, right? No, he would surround himself in something he couldn't see because he was surrounded in it. The Holy Spirit's going to let you know, no, 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 this is the problem, but we don't ask him. We don't ask him because we'd rather be led by the flesh and be led by the emotions because we feel those more. We experience those more. Go to Romans chapter 8. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I don't feel like that needs to be expounded upon. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Notice how the if is not if you put to death. Look what the if is, please. The if is if you live by the Spirit. So what Paul is saying is if you live by the Spirit, you should be. It's expected or understood that you are going to put to, de- put to death the deeds of the body. Got a lot of people trying to live in the spirit and feeding their body at the same time. Feeding their flesh, helping themselves at the same time. For as many are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Please note that sons here is not referring to a gender-based title, but it's a position. When Paul is saying of those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, that's not referring to the fact that we're all sons in gender. We're all sons in position, which means I'm an heir. I have access to all my father has. I have authority over everything my father has authority over. So if I'm led by the Spirit, I'm walking around with the signet ring that King Jesus had. We don't realize that. You ever you ever been praying for something and, and knowing that this should be changing and it's not? Well, it tells you why right here. Because if I'm led by the Spirit of God, I'm a son of God. But if I'm walking around and things are dominating my life, I'm living in temptation, I'm living in anxiety, I'm living in fear, and I have no authority over anything in my life, I question if you're being led by the Spirit of God. You could have the Spirit of God, you could have the indwelling of the Spirit, but the infilling hasn't happened in a while, and you're living on your flesh and your emotions and your feelings and your social media posts and your YouTube channel selection. Don't tell me you're full of the Spirit because upper room plays while you're getting ready in the morning. Just don't. I put upper upper room on today. I was praying, and I I, I listen to old music, right? I'm an old music person. I listen to old songs. Y'all would fall asleep in eight seconds if you was in my prayer time. But I put on upper room. Y'all just, I I got distracted. Like, because it's the video. The music I listen to, they didn't have cameras. So, like, they didn't have videos yet. So, like, they video, and there's people running with flags and, like, doing cartwheels. And I'm like, I can't pray while you're doing gymnastics. I don't have a problem with it. Worship the Lord in in freedom. I ain't telling you to not. But 
I'm probably going to close my eyes. Anyway, I was struggling. Why? Because my emotions, my flesh was the dominating the moment. I had to turn that junk off. I had to put on the stuff that I'm used to, and I had to get in the spirit. Because if I'm in the spirit, I'm not in the flesh. There are so many people that are trying to do both. They're trying to walk in the spirit and walk in the flesh. And you can't. They are at enmity with each other. Read back a few verses. They are, they are literally enemies. They cannot coexist. Yet we're trying. And we wonder why we're so stressed out, why we're so depressed, why we're so angry, and why God's not moving in our lives. God's not moving in our lives because we've created a traffic jam between the flesh and his spirit. And he's a gentleman, so he's not going to push it out the way. He's going to wait and let you do it. And there's been people that God's been waiting for him to do it 25 years. There was a guy who came to our church when I was in elementary school. We started doing encounter retreats probably, what, 98 maybe? End of the 90s, let's do an encounter retreat. So I was like going into middle school. What's that, 25, almost 25 years ago. This man's been back and forth to the church four times and still has never gone on an encounter. And is bound by so many different things, but won't go on an encounter. Because he don't, he don't like that type of stuff. He, 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 he's uncomfortable that he doesn't feel safe. I won't give you what I really feel about that, but that'll be nice. Thank the Lord. See, we got to realize, back to verse 13, for if you, were, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live, if, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as live by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you go back, it's not on the screen, you go to Romans 6, it says, so if you choose to live according to the flesh, you will die. If you choose to live according to the spirit, you will reap righteousness. You choose. You choose. Pastor Carl don't choose for you. Pastor Dawn don't choose for you. Stanley don't choose for you. Joey don't choose for you. You choose. Because why? You're going to be led by something. This illusion that I'm free, freer when I'm away from Jesus is one of the biggest deceptions that has ever hit the church. Man, I was just so bound up in legalism in the church. I had to leave the church to get free. No, what you did was you you changed bosses. That's all you did was change bosses. You didn't get free. You just changed bosses. Go to Galatians. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Y'all, it's simple. It ain't always easy, but it's simple. Walk in the spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's it. Well, Pastor Chris, that, how, 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 is that, how is that so simple? Because it's literally just written right there on the screen. Walk in the spirit and you shall not. It's not a question. It's not a suggestion. It's a, it's a guarantee. If I'm walking in the spirit, I'm not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. I met a guy yesterday uh, for lunch at walk-ons. There's a guy coming to church in Shelmet. We went to walk-ons. In, uh, in Slidell, and I forgot that all the waitresses at walk-ons are dressed like cheerleaders. I forgot. And I just was not prepared 
for some of the, the, the young ladies in the attire they'd be wearing. You know, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being sanctified up here, right? I'm just saying. I wasn't prepared for it. But I'm not walking in the flesh. I'm walking in the spirit. So when I sat down at, at the table, what used to get my flesh riled up actually got my spirit riled up. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge for my waitress. Why? Because I'm not walking in the flesh. Pastor Chris, God's not using me. Probably not. You're probably in the flesh. Because when I was younger, I wouldn't have been hearing no word of knowledge. I'd have been hearing other things from the flesh. Because sin is crouching at the door, waiting for a chance to get in. He doesn't need an invitation. He just, he's, he breaks and enters all the time. You don't realize it. I got to be careful. Galatians chapter 5, let's keep going. I say that walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh against is against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We will be led by something. We can be led by the flesh and the mind or the emotions in the mind. Now, what do you mean? What I mean by that is, is you can be led by the... Any of the three need your mind in agreement. Right? Think about temptation, right? When tem temptation is not a sin. It's coming into agreement and empowering that temptation that makes it the sin, right? Well, guess what? It's the same thing in the spirit. When the Lord says, here, i got a word of knowledge for you, my mind has to grab a hold of what he's saying if I ever want my body to carry it out. So who's go, who are you going to be led by? Is it going to be your, your flesh and your mind? Is it going to be your emotions and your mind? Or is it going to be your spirit and your mind? Because you've got to come in agreement with it. You have to. Now, a lot of times in a service like this, in a sermon like this, we talk about the sin part. But I, I think I'd like to spend a little more time talking about the soul and the emotions, if I can. I know Brother Rod's doing that Sunday. But I feel like in church, people know, for the most part, at least I know in this one because y'all hear the word, we know what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. Right? Like, just in case you didn't know, don't leave church tonight and get drunk. I don't know if I'm just, that's, that might be new information to some of y'all. Sorry, Mr. Joey, he looks a little upset over there. I'm just kidding. But just letting y'all know, this man, I've been in church 35 years. What do you mean? No. What I'm, you hit, we know, right? I cannot go home tonight and fire up my laptop and look at pornography. I know that that, that is not okay, right? And we know this, and we beat these things up, and we all say amen, and we go eat afterwards, and church was awesome. But how about we just shift the focus to the emotions and say, you do realize, this might be fun, you do realize that you can't go to church, lift your hands and worship, and have a fence against somebody on the other side of the room. You, you know that, right? Because if you said amen about not getting drunk and you got quiet over the offense, you've got an offense. But what happens is your mind came into agreement 
with what your emotions felt about sister, brother, so-and-so, and it you came into agreement, and there's power in agreement because the Holy Spirit got with Jesus and got with the Father, and they made us in agreement. So there's power in agreement. And so what happened is you came into agreement with a thought that the enemy threw at you, and now you're in bondage to something he made up. And we wonder why people leave churches. Can I tell you a secret? People don't leave church to get drunk. People leave church because they got hurt and end up getting drunk. That's what happens. People don't leave church to go chase the world. They leave church because somebody in the church was led by the flesh or led by their emotions and did something foolish, didn't have the maturity and the humility to get it right, and that, you know what, I don't want to be a part of that nonsense. The world, it's no different than the world, but in the world, I can at least go have fun. That's what, that's, that's what the line is. No, we got to make sure that we're, we're living like we're supposed to. Y'all do know what the Bible says about conflict resolution, right? I remember when I, when, when I, I, you can read, you ever read the Bible a bunch and then read something, you're like, where's this been? Like, I thought, I read this book. I read Matthew, I've read Matthew more than any other book in the Bible, right? I mean, I've read it, I don't know how many times. And I was reading one day, and I was going to a leadership retreat with my youth. This is probably 2015. And y'all, his pastoring youth with social media is like the most complicating thing I've ever done in my life, right? Just about. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Anyway, and there's all kind of drama. And all kind of, and they all hate each other, and they all in leadership. And like, like Paul says, this cannot be. And so I'm praying, and I'm like, God, I gotta, I'm, I'm going to teach him on conflict resolution. And the Holy Spirit's like, actually. I'm going to teach you because you've been reading this and you ain't seen. You do realize that in Matthew 7, it says that if you have an offense with your brother on the way to the altar, leave your gift, go find your brother and make it right with them, right? That's the one we all know. Y'all ready for the one that nobody likes? See, it's over in Matthew 18. Matthew 18 says, if you know that your brother has an offense with you, Oh, that's the one we don't like. If you know somebody's mad at you, go talk to them. See, we come to church, and it's a little more difficult here because it is a little smaller room. A sanctuary like Shelmet, oh, that's easy to be offended in, in church, apparently. Because you could just come in one door and sit in one corner, and sister so-and-so sit in the other corner, and as long as you can control your bladder opposite of hers, you good. That's it. As long as you can. Okay, she she just got up. I I can go to the bathroom right now. But I mean, I, she gets up a lot, so I better hurry. But no, 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 no. If I come to church and I know Daniel has an issue with me, I gotta go talk to Daniel. You know why? Because Daniel might be hurt to an extent that he can't come talk to me yet. He might be dealing hard. He might be genuinely angry and offended and hurt with me and he doesn't trust his flesh to come talk to me but i can go to him and i could say hey look i know i feel like something's off i don't if i did something or maybe you know what you did and you're just being petty no i know what i did and i gotta come make it right because guess what james 4 17 says to the man who knows what to do and does not do it to him it is sin 
So when you come to church and you tithe and you say amen and you greet and you drink coffee, but you're harboring or letting someone else harbor offense and you know about it, you are in sin. The only person who is not guilty in that moment is if you have an offense with me and I do not know. That is the only innocent party. Everybody else is guilty. We don't want to talk about that. We want to pastor, talk about drinking again. Talk about porn again. Go back to that. No, we're going to talk about this. Why? Because this is what kills congregations. And if we want to be led by the Spirit, we're going to be led by the Spirit in every which way, in every way possible. Because I believe that God's going to do a mighty work here, but God's not going to do a mighty work here until this room is in the condition they were in Acts chapter 2. When they were all gathered together in one accord. That's not one Honda. When they were all gathered together. In the same heart, in the same mind, with the same agreement, saying we're not moving until heaven comes. Heaven's not going to come in the middle of offense. Heaven's not going to come in the middle of jealousy. Heaven's not going to come in the middle of pride and arrogance and insecurity. It's not going to happen. When I'm led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit searches the innermost parts of my being. It searches me deeply, and it says, hey, I need that. I want that right there. You can take it, Lord. You can take it. You can take it. There will be times where your flesh and your emotions will not want to do what the scriptures say to do. You're not going to want to go have that tough conversation. You're not going to want to submit to authority when authority says submit. You're not going to want to do whatever it is you're asked to do or, or, or stop doing whatever it is you don't want to stop doing. There's going to be times that happen. If it hasn't happened to you yet, you haven't been serving Jesus long enough yet. But someday something's going to happen and somebody's going to come to you in, in the Lord, in authority, and say, hey, that's what we need to do. We're going to do this, we're going to do this. I don't want to do that. You choose. You live according to the flesh, you live according to the spirit. You choose. Something will be leading. When I'm led by the spirit, I won't fulfill the lusts or the desires of the flesh. We're going to be closing soon. Go to Genesis chapter 27. I'll read you a quick little story. In case you, just to give you the recap, this is Isaac. He's got his sons, Jacob and Esau. He's about to die. He's blind. He wants to bless his oldest son, Esau. So he says, Esau, I want you to go out in the woods. I want you to hunt because that's what he did. I want you to kill me, animal, and make me my favorite stew, and I'm going to bless you. And the mama, because she, you know, just full of the devil, um, she was. You don't do what she's about to do if you ain't got something wrong, some other spirit. So, so Rebecca's like, hey, Esau leaves. God says, hey, go bring back Jacob. Come here. Go over there to the field. Kill one of the sheep. Bring it back. Skin it alive. Now skin it. Give me the meat. I'm going to cook it. You go figure out a way. This is so gross, y'all. This is so, this is just wrong. Figure out a way to put the hair on your arms and on your face. Because you, we we left to trick your daddy, you get the blessing. So this man, think about how dumb sin will make you look. Think about it for a second. This man goes walking up in his daddy's bedroom with his mama cooking some food that daddy likes. And he's got freshly killed goat skin and goat hair on his face and on his chest and on his arm because it said Esau was hairy. And so, this ain't natural, it's goat hair. I, there's blood on it, I'm sure. 
I mean, he probably couldn't clean it and sterilize it. None of this. It's just from the field. Sin will make you look stupid. That's for free. That makes you smell too. But he walks in as we pick it up. So he went into his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you have told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game that you that your soul may bless me. Keep going. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Brought it up. Bacalaos, Lord. 21. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. He knew something told him this ain't right. Now, he can't see no more. He's blind. He cannot see. Something told this ain't right. I, something's off with this. Come here. Let me feel you. Come close. So Jacob went near to his father, and he felt him. And he said, it's, oh, I love this line. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau hands, and so he blessed him. Here's what happened. Isaac, in a moment of weakness, He's in this position, and something starts happening. He's blind, so something starts happening, and something is off. He knows something is off, but he doesn't know what it is. And so, and so he says, come here. Let me feel you to see if you're really my son. Why? Because Jacob was talking, and he knew it didn't sound like Esau. He knew the voice wasn't right. Let me say it again. He knew the voice he was hearing wasn't right. But Jacob got closer, and he stuck his hands out, and he says, hmm, the voice is Jacob, but the hands are Esau. What I'm hearing is Jacob. What I'm feeling is Esau. And like most people, he went with what he felt and not with what he heard. Like most people, he went with what he felt and not with what he heard. Listen carefully. John 10 says, my sheep know my voice and the voice of another they will not listen to. See, you can sit there and you could say, something's off. I don't know what it is, but something's off. That's okay. Listen, Brother Carl has been praying longer than I've been alive. And that's not a knock. That's respect, right? That's, I mean, that's a long time in prayer. And I guarantee you there are situations after all those decades of praying that he's like, something's off. I don't know what it is, but something's off. Why? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't want to just give you all the answers. He wants you to do some questioning by faith. So it doesn't matter the amount of time you spend in the prayer closet. He's always going to step back just like when you're trying to teach your kid to walk. You can, Come on, baby. take. A, I'm, I'm going to keep backing up. No matter how great you're getting, I'm still going to keep backing up. That's what he's doing. No, come here. I'm backing up a little bit. Come here. I'm backing up. No. Something ain't right with this. Something's off with this. Feel you. 
something's off. But it feels right. It seems right. Something's off. And like most Christians, like most people, Isaac went with what he felt instead of what he heard. I want to give you three things how you can be led by the Spirit, how you'll know if you're being led by the Spirit. I listened to a message. I've listened to this same message by a guy named Kenneth Hagan about 20 times on being led by the Spirit. And he says, many believers make the mistake of waiting for the spectacular and missing the supernatural. We wait for God to do this big Red Sea parting moment, and we miss the fact that there's a supernatural divine being dwelling on the inside of us that's going to say, hey, go home. Hey, don't take that job. Hey, put 50 bucks extra in your savings account this month. Hey, do this. Hey, do this. Three ways. Number one, how to be led by the Spirit. The leading of the Holy Spirit always agrees with the Word. The Spirit of God is never going to do something that contradicts the Word of God. If you think it is, you are, eas- you are either misunderstanding the Spirit or misinterpreting the Scripture. You're either misunderstanding the Spirit or you're misinterpreting the Scripture. So the first one is the leading of the Holy Spirit always agrees with the Word. The second is the leading of the Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. If it doesn't glorify Jesus, the Holy Spirit's not in it. If you read through Romans, I mean, John 14, 15, and 16, what you find is that the Father is glorified in the Son through the Holy Spirit in us. Every single thing the Holy Spirit does glorifies Jesus. Everything. And third, the leading of the Holy Spirit is always confirmed by other Spirit-filled witnesses. Always. Listen to me. Always. I'll call friends of mine. I got, I got three friends. Four now. I got four friends that I'll call. Well, Brother Matt's new to the crew. Everybody else has been around like over 10 years. Brother Matt's new to the crew over here. But I'll call him, and I'll be like, hey, I want to throw something at you and just see what you throw back. And they're like, all right. And I'll tell them. And they'll be like, no, that's pretty dumb. That ain't the Lord. Or. No, that sounds about right. Why? Because the same spirit that's leading me is leading him. Because sometimes it is confusing because we have emotions and we have a flesh and they're loud and they're dominant and they want their way. And so sometimes they get louder than the spirit. But that's why in 1 Kings 19, it lets us know that he wasn't in the fire and he wasn't in the earthquake and he wasn't in the wind. He was in the whisper and there's a whisper that comes from inside of him. Holy Spirit is always confirmed by other spirit-filled witnesses. I want to tell you a story. We on Facebook Live? Nope, I don't care. I just wanted to 